Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> we are finally live. Um, yeah, this took a while to set up this whole scheduling thing. People dropping and then I'd add different people. But Ed stayed from the beginning and he's first. So. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, it's just a case of when I make a commitment, I keep it. That's good. <laughs> the, people, the people that dropped had like like actual excuses of like why, like like good ones. So. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. The meteors hit their areas of the planet. No, that's just like personal things. Like so, their uh, house gone, everyone they know is gone. The dinosaurs are back. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It was really good. I, I just didn't see it coming. <laughs> It's a good excuse. That's a, that's a pretty good excuse. So this is our three-day live Comic-Con thing, COVID-free. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so we have Ed Jowett with us. Um, he was our last guest on our podcast, and he's going to be... <laughs> this is... Like, all of these panels and stuff are going to be, like, podcast episodes, too, so for next year. So you're technically our first, you're our 50th guest. I, I like to think that what it gives you is an air of continuity. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be talking about is, uh, you know, fat and breaking the rules and origin stories and stuff. So if you want to uh, watch and listen to that, uh, here you go. So, um, I don't have I'll any... be able to say something I didn't say last time. Exactly. But it doesn't just sound like I'm recycling the same material. Yeah, during the three-hour conversation. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so. How long do I have? An hour? <laughs> you have an hour. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm going to have to be brief. Okay, right. <laughs> see what I can do. Short answers. Short, yeah, short cut answers. Off, cut this off. Cut this got off. it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've got my notes here, obviously, because, you know, that's what real people do. Yeah. And be like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and, and and I have no notes. Um, this is you know, free balling. So I've got notes, but they're all irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's start. <laughs> Shall we? Yeah, sure. Before oh, oh, just lost one. Um. So. Last time we talked about like origin stories and like why you technically don't need one in the beginning, and that gave me a very good idea to just start from like the cool shit. So I started writing. I made this like table because I didn't want to write like all the way up to like issue eleven of the Seer Chronicles. So instead, I started making this like table, and then like I showed Dylan. He's like, "Oh, that's really cool!" And like I've seen other people do such like similar things, like uh, motivation, other things like that. So uh, that's what I'm doing for now on until like we get to the point of him like starting to like edit stuff, and then I'll just like place it in uh, script format. So uh, one of the first ones that I wrote that I actually wrote and did do a table was Cyper. And I started with like, just he starts beating a shit out of somebody. Like, this is the beginning. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. I don't have to tell, that, like, that's, I, that's I don't have to tell that his like- first superhero comic as well. It yeah. starts with someone beating the crap out of someone with a metal pipe. Yeah, so, I don't have know. to, yeah, I don't have to like show people like his depressing like origin. <laughs> 
because it is depressing. So yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's the thing, right? And and I covered this last time, and I don't really want to go right over the same old ground because people can just hop back to episode forty nine and 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 listen through that. But um, that that is a thing, and you know, a lot of origin stories, either the person right before they have the origin, you know, they're kind of a depressing person, and and the origin might change them into someone else, or like. You know, I mean, hey, at the end of the day, Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, sort of the three biggest heroes, their origin stories are all depressing as hell. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, we go from, okay, your parents die when you're a kid and you grow up completely broken, to your uncle dies and it's totally your fault, to <laughs> your planet exploded when you're a baby. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of like, okay, um, uh, yeah, I mean... It's like, wow, what a downer. <laughs> well, and the thing is that while some people might connect to that, other people are going to go, oh, okay. You know, you, it takes... Oh, wow, um, I'm about to quote Batman Begins here, so here we go. <laughs> it takes a dramatic example to shake people out of... What's the exact word he uses? I forget. I forget what the word he uses is. Um, Some uh, people just want to watch the world burn. No, no, no. That was was Dark Knight. It takes a dramatic (laughs) example to shake people out of apathy. And if you want to shake people out of apathy towards your character, yes, you want something dramatic, right? And your character is likely shaken out of apathy by whatever happens to them. Um, Unless they were remarkable in some way before they got the powers... Um, you know, you might argue that uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America, um, he he was never shaken out of apathy. He always believed what he believed, and he was just told, uh, "I'm taking the MCU one here. Sod off! You can't you can't be part of this. You aren't strong enough." And that was literally the only thing he was given. It wasn't his lack of drive. It wasn't anything else. It was just, "No, sorry, you you can't be part of this." Yeah, that, that's a great example of like a story that can break the rule and start right off with the origin because the origin is actually what gets you interested in the character after you've already seen a bunch of like strong characters. Is it? Is so, it like, though? So, Captain so, America specifically, could you imagine being a soldier or a, you know an 18-year-old kid during World War uh, II yeah. reading a comic about some weak kid who ends you up can't, being strong yeah. enough to go to go fight, right? Like, and then it's like, oh, if you just join the army or the Marines, you can become strong like Captain America. So, like, it, it's I know that they didn't start with him. I'm pretty sure yeah. they didn't start showing the um, the origin, but he's actually yeah. an example of where the origin could have started. It, it could have at the time, yeah. right? Um, I'm talking about his his various reboots now, mm. and I would actually argue that Captain America: The First Avenger did not really need to exist. Like, it existed, it existed purely for one reason in terms of the continuity. So he goes back in time. Uh, no, because you can just have him discovered frozen and have him, you know, and have him... It existed for one reason in terms of the continuity up to the end of the Avengers movie, and that was Hydra weapons. Bam. We know what those are. Oh, yeah, I got you. I meant the reason why um, they show that back in time, though, is because the very last, like, scene of the final Avengers... They had not planned that. I, 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 no way. 
No way did they plan that. The only reason why they might have is because I remember back in 2000. So in 2008, they released like the whole timeline of everything, but they didn't have like maybe six of the movies at that time. So, but most of the movies were already released. Like the I think the um, timeline was already released in 2008, but in 2010, they toyed around with a few more. They thought were going to follow it up. And one of them, was another Avengers after, not Avengers, uh, Captain America after, and I was presuming it was going to be either um, Bucky or Falcon that were going to take over. So that's the only reason why it's possible that they planned that ahead of time. But yes, I agree, they probably uh, did. I, I think especially given that, uh, you know, Avengers up to basically Age of Ultron was Joss Whedon's brainchild, and then the Russos took it over, Yeah, I, I really don't think so. Yeah, I, don't I think really that. don't think that was planned. Um, and yeah, no, so I mean, I would argue that actually you could pretty much skip the first Avenger and never watch it, and you'd still pretty much get the general idea of everything and be completely happy with starting. I guess you'd then start with Avengers being the first time you meet Cap, yeah, and then and then the Winter Soldier being the next movie, uh, with Cap. Yeah, we, um, found a, we found a super soldier frozen in ice. Let's yeah, <laughs> and, and they actually have, how it happened. Let's just move on. <laughs> they actually have flashbacks, and um, and yeah. uh, even uh, Nick Fury says they fished it out of the ice next to you. And and when he's in the first scene that he's in in Avengers, when Fury walks in and recruits him, he's like, "Yeah, you should have left it in the ice. You know, you should have left That's it right. left it down there." Um, and and that tells you everything you need to know about the Tesseract, and that's. That's kind of the point that I'm making here, like, really well condensed. I happened to watch The Avengers the other day, uh, just as it happens, um, which is why I'm so up to speed on it. But um, that's kind of what I'm... That's kind of the point I'm making, because you know everything you need to know about the Tesseract. It's evil. Hydra used it. Hydra are bad. They made weapons with it, and you should have left it under the ice. It's pretty much the worst thing he's ever encountered. Okay, I now know everything in the entire plot of Captain America. Thank you. Oh, well, I mean, apart from the, the arguments you then get between Tony and Cap, uh, which fill in the rest of the everything special about you came out of the test tube thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it, it kind of actually sort of illustrates my point quite nicely, I think. Um, because... If you so so this is one of the this is one of the things, but if you give people the space to wonder, if you give people the space to come up with their own theories, they will come up with things that are fantastic. You know, they will. Speaking as a comic writer, you will actually gain from not telling things. Yeah. Because people will put in something so much better than you could ever have said. Right? So much better than you could ever have written. So much better than the artist could have ever pulled off. They'll imagine it in their head. It's right? Kind of like uh, novels versus movies. Like, the, like, there's so many people that hate the movie because what they envision the novel saying isn't what they portrayed in the movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite guilty of that in some areas. Uh, Dune is probably my least favorite movie of all time. <laughs> um, purely because of what it does to the source material and in fairness you know if i take a step back and remove the emotion from it, it it's only three major plot points that they completely messed with 
And if you ignore those three major plot points, which are kind of like what, why I don't, what, uh, <laughs> um, then, then you know, it actually is a relatively faithful representation of what was what was in the book. It's not ridiculous, but I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. Where you put in stuff that people don't want to know, you can end yourself up in a bad corner. And as a comic writer or a, or a movie writer or a novel writer or whatever, you can often have a lot of power by not saying things. Um, I was talking with John, uh, who I mentioned in the last podcast uh, quite a few times. I was talking with John the other day. We're, we're in the process of writing, uh, coincidentally, an Avengers-style team-up, right? Um, which is why, how come I ended up watching Avengers uh, last weekend? Um, and he, he said something that, that he said to me a few times and it sort of, it, it rang a bell and I thought I'd mention it. Good writing, whether it's comics or novels or whatever, is not when you have nothing more to add. It's when you have nothing more to take away. Right. And I think, uh, I actually, since we last spoke, I've actually started working with a number of other writers so I've started up a whole bunch of new collaborations um, you guys may have even seen uh, on Facebook. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to reach out. Actually, it was you guys who made me want to do that. So after I spoke to you, I was like, wow, you know, um, I really want to go out there and I want to kind of help people tell a story, um, get people to help me tell a story so I can learn. Um, and what I've found is... A lot of people don't understand that principle, you know, of, of it's not adding more stuff. It's taking everything away that you don't absolutely require. And most people err on the side of adding way too much. Honestly, it's, it's much like telling the truth. Like the truth is once you've removed everything else, like it's like it's, that's that's why it's the same as good storytelling. It's the same as most good things like, you, you know. Very, very good foods don't have many ingredients. They're just prepared very well. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually uh, on this screen that I keep glancing at over here. I've actually got the first page of, uh, of what's come out of one of those collaborations. I've already written, um, what is it now, three comics um, in the last couple of weeks. Um, I've written them out. I've sent them off to artists and so on. And I've just had the first page back from the first artist. And on the entire page, there are two narration, uh, two narration boxes, and that's it. That's all you need. The, the rest is just told with, okay, panel, 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 four panels on the page, five panels on the page, um, and, uh, and two narration boxes, because that's all you need. Yeah, that's like, um, so ink, the first issue of that, uh, it's just narration, really. Um, I think it's just narration, and then there's like one word that's spoken, and he says "fuck." That's it. <laughs> that's it, or shit, or something like that. And that's it. That's, that's all that's said at the end. And I think that actually like is the reason why so many people want to see the second issue. They're like, "Where are you going with it next?" I'm like, "Well, well I have it written, but I'm not going to tell people." But <laughs> uh, yeah, it is very cool though, because yeah. like with ink, like. Essentially, it, we we took almost a mistake and made it like that too. Like it ended up being where um, the original 
comic didn't like the the artist that we sent the uh, script to. We didn't really break down the script well enough in the first time because like that was before I started doing any edits and uh, like it wasn't it, you couldn't panel it out appropriately. So he kind of just you know winged it and tried to make it work the best that he could. Um, and with that, I basically looked it over. I'm like, I don't know how to make the script work over this. So we actually like removed all the words and started over just looking at the panels. And then we kind of like with the idea of what's going on, we rewrote the narration of it over the top of it. And it turned out to be like, yeah, the, everyone like loved it. <laughs> some of these, some of, some of this is, <clears throat> but I mean, we were talking last time, right? About don't get pinned down by rules where you don't even know where they came from, right? Um, and that's that's a really good example of somewhere where you didn't. You, you just went, okay, well, I wrote the script and the script is now garbage for this artwork. It's not going to work. Um, we've got to completely redo this, throw everything we thought of out the window and start again and figure something out that works. And I, I get where you're coming from because that's exactly what you did. You, you, you just, you went, okay, forget the rules, forget, forget what you're supposed to do, forget the character talking, forget anything, let the reader project onto that character everything that they think they're thinking, and let's move on with the story now. Yeah, yeah. definitely. We definitely let the art tell the story and let people yeah, imagine what's going on. <laughs> yeah. This is one of my favorite things so far that has been uh, we we've released so far is um, in ink. It's that just like that nightmare scene is just awesome. So um, uh, that's I'm not the only one actually has said that. Like multiple people are like, yeah. that's like one of the best things. Like yeah, that's so my like that, that that other than like the the first time we see this guy, you know, our main guy break out of the ground. Outside of that, because that was just something we were excited about. But like the ink artistically, like that's definitely by far amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And I can't wait for our other series scales because just like the one thing is exactly what I was thinking it was going to look like. And that's awesome. It, um, it is always fantastic when something comes out exactly the way you imagine it. Um, yeah. That's how I felt about the uh, Violet Number no. 2 cover, um, which we spoke about before. So it's really good. <laughs> uh, which, yeah, it just, you know, it, it is, no one has ever quite captured Violet like Lingard did on that. For, you know, my Violet. Yeah. Um, like Lingard did on that page. You know, just the, the you know, what, what he did there, every single detail was perfect. Um, and I didn't even give him that much of a direction. He pretty much went away and just delivered it. Yeah. Um, which is truly remarkable. Yeah. Um, we have, it, that does not happen often. Yeah. We have, like, this thing. Um, it's like color colors in our comics are, like, pretty symbolic for certain things. Um, it's not really like a spoiler, really. Uh, so purple is kind of like good energy, and red is like bad. So that kind of took that in a way from Star Wars. Like red is bad. <laughs> so, yeah, um, right, yeah. So I did that, but um, there's a color that's in scales that's not good or bad. It's just like it's symbolic to a certain person's like cl clothing option. I don't want to like give it away, but uh, yeah, that's in there. So I, I just can't wait for that. It's just really cool that we did that. <clears throat> um, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
I forgot what I was going to say, really. What was I going to say? I was going to say something. Uh, um, I'm sorry. That, that's a little <laughs> beyond my current level of power. <laughs> You're not psychic? Um, if I actually, If I actually knew this, like, I didn't have to do an origin story, I think the beginning of the Seer Chronicles wouldn't be 46 pages. Um, just because, like, because <laughs> I just said that to our artist yesterday, because he's like, oh, page nine is ready. I was like, sick. Um, <laughs> page nine, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know it's a lot of work because, like, the first story is 46 pages, not counting the intro page and then the covers. But, uh, yeah. Um, he's like, yeah, it's a lot of work. And I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, honestly, though, the thing that I'm kind of excited about is like from from the conversation we had, there's a lot of stories that even though we started off right in their origin, um, it's enough to know what might happen. And then we're going to make a big jump into what we were excited to get to anyways. So it's kind of like you're like you're saying, we know why it's cool because we know what happens. But if you don't know what happens, the origin might not be that cool. So, like, it's yeah, no, uh, don't get me wrong. You need to know what happens, right? As a writer, and and I don't want to imply otherwise to anyone who's watching this and going, "Oh, I'm a starting writer, so I don't even need to think about an origin for my character." I, I think you do. I think you need to think about it and figure it out and figure out what it is. And Violet, to take an example, has had an origin story forever. I've never written it anywhere. Uh, no, I lie. I've actually got it written on a backup of a forum that I had on one of my previous iterations of my website. Nice. <clears throat> uh, which was kept private to only me and the other writers. So only four people in the world have ever seen it. Uh, assuming that the other three actually read it, um, which is an assumption. <laughs> But, um, but, I, but it is important, like one of the things that Greg and I did when we were working through um, issue two of the comic was one of the characters who actually may not be that relevant in future issues. We wrote a whole backstory just so we knew how he might react during one of the scenes. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like people react based on their history. So understanding their history is really important. You don't necessarily need to show everything. You just need to understand what their history is and how that makes them behave. Yeah. That's why yeah, I'm like whole... risk his life to save old people. Because he let one die. <laughs> um, and that the thing is that the reason why, like, okay, maybe it's because he let one die, or maybe it's because his grandmother's old and he feels sympathy. Those two things make him react completely differently in a, in any circumstance. Yeah. Right? Like and, and they're both completely valid reasons for why he might go around saving old people. You know? <laughs> Like, they're both totally valid, but they would cause a different character. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, knowing what you're going to do is really important. The other thing that I would say is, you know, I'm, I, I was talking about um, I'm, writing a, I'm writing a sort of combined event at the moment. Uh, it's called Cascade. And um, I think another thing that's important when you're trying to build up to a combined event, as I did. So... Just a little background. I, I did three separate characters. Um, that was Lacuna, Blue Shift, and Violet. Um, we had a fourth character, had two like short books, but also it appeared in uh, as an antagonist in, in one of those earlier books. 
Um, and then we did sort of some other other sort of separate ones. And then we came back and we did a, a Blue Shift number two, a Violet number two. We went back to Penumbra, who's the character I referred to um, as being the the the, set of the antagonist in in Lacuna. And um, and and her book is the last one before we then go into this Cascade event. But the thing is that none of these are okay. Possible exception of Penumbra. None of these are like just building up to something else that you're not even going to see this issue. Every single one is a is a story, right? And there are Easter eggs in there that when you see Cascade, you'll look back and you're oh oh right oh okay yeah no uh, okay yeah no uh, okay that all lines up really nicely. And you can only do that if you write the whole story first, which obviously you guys have done. Um. But I would encourage anyone who's trying to write a comic to reach that point, have reasons that everyone should be involved with the others. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, well, uh, these people are here because they turned up at the end. <laughs> um, Did you watch uh, The Defenders? Sorry? Did you watch The Defenders? The, I haven't uh... got around to it yet. I I, I, I finished watching um, uh, Daredevil 1 and 2 and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, and then I got busy, and I never got around to Iron Fist, so I never watched The Defenders either. Yeah, so I, I watched, what was it, um, Daredevil Season 1, 2, Jessica Jones 1. I watched 2, two later, and then I watched Luke Cage 1. Yeah, that's where I got to. I didn't watch two of anything else. Yeah, and then yeah. I watched uh, Punisher, and then I watched The Defenders. I think that was the order. But I, I, I'm like, I'm beyond The Defenders now. But like, I watched the first. I think it was. I don't know. It might be two seasons, but the first season of The Defenders. I ended up watching that, and I believe one of the characters does kind of feel that way, where it's like, "Why are you here? Like, how do like, like I get why you're here, but like it wasn't." But the other ones, it made sense. Like, it overlapped. It, it, there was a reason they were there. And that way, it doesn't feel awkward that they're all just meeting up, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, even one character not seeming to have any reason to be there is really uncomfortable. Yeah, it stands out. Like, it, it just makes you enjoy the whole story less. So, yeah, having um having a reason for everyone being there and having a some kind of goal for everyone that they're all moving towards... It's actually really, really vital in my opinion. Yeah, definitely agreed. Yeah, when I was writing out um, issues seven to twelve, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> there's this one character that has to be in the story near the end. Like, if they're not, then this whole thing that we acted out like a year ago won't happen, and like that needs to happen because it's amazing, and it, it's got to happen. Um, and I was trying to figure it out because I was like, wait, if they're not at this moment, then that means I have to pl like plot them in a different way. I have to figure out a different way to put them in the story because like the original way is gone. Like the original way uh, my serial killer character was going to somehow be involved and that's not involved anymore with the comics really. It's more like they have a one shot comic but they're mostly going to be in our video game. That's it. They're, they won't be really a part. And the newspaper stuff that we're going to be releasing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, shit. So I had to figure out, I had to like figure out a new way for that person to still have the same fate because like that also ends the um, certain plot point for somebody else. So. <laughs> <clears throat> 
that was fun. Yeah, I guess how hard he's trying to like <laughs> not say it. He's like, there's this thing that's really cool. It's in my head. I swear to God, it's cool. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you a little bit about the character whose artwork I have page one for, if you like. Yeah. Um, just just <laughs> as a point of interest. So, so I thought about I thought about um, how I could have a little play with the trope of, oh, my life sucks, but I'm a superhero and that's awesome, like Spider Man, right? Like. Spider-Man's life sucks, in general, just just sucks as Peter Parker. And as Spider-Man, okay, yeah, he fights supervillains, but he generally comes out on top, and it's generally pretty good. Um, and I thought, okay, okay, what if, what if there's a character out there who basically has a perfect life? Outside of being a superhero. And then when they're a superhero, they're this D-list superhero who no one takes seriously. Like, their, comp their power is borderline useless. Like if Batman was terrible. <laughs> right. Uh, kind of, yeah. Kind of like if Batman... Well, not even Tony, because... Tony Stark. But, Tony Stark was terrible. Like a billionaire playboy... Super yeah, kind of, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going more with like a, a college student, right? So it's more like, yeah, I'm smart and I get A's and I'm popular and and you know I have friends and you know all, all of this stuff, like all of the sort of cliche kind of okay, well, your life is basically perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially to people like us who are comic geeks and definitely weren't popular at school. I know I wasn't anyway. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and and I thought, okay, so what if your life is basically perfect? And then when you put on the mask, everybody basically shits on you. <laughs> um, so, so, like, her powers are, she's called Drift, and her powers give her the ability to basically change her density. So she can get lighter than air or really, really heavy. Um, so the thing is that when she flies out the window, she's hoping that there isn't a really strong gust of wind. Right? Because, and, and at one point in the comic, she actually almost gets blown away by this strong gust of wind. She's like, <laughs> that's so embarrassing. <laughs> um, and like, she'll, she'll land to try and stop a mugger and go like super heavy. And then this mugger will like punch her and, and like ruin his hand and then like just leg it. And she's like, okay, I can't run after him because I actually can't move right now. Because <laughs> I'm too heavy. You know? It's kind of like a really cool power that she like, hasn't figured out how to use yet, and so she's just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing, yeah. It's like, you know, it, it, it has its limitations, you know, uh, and, and deliberately so. And the thing is that um, not only that, there's another hero in this city who's like a speedster. Um, in, in, the, uh, in the original uh, script, we called him something uh, slightly... Um, shall we say, not, not safe for repeating on this particular uh, podcast. So we're, 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 we've renamed him to Captain Speed, because it's the dumbest name we could come up with for a speedster. <laughs> um, and he's like, this town's under the protection of Captain Speed. 